Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Glad you're here today. Uh, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention this morning. Uh, first of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. We, uh, if you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. We would certainly appreciate it. Also, some things that are coming up. Uh, let me remind everyone that on Wednesday, our schedule will be a little bit different this Wednesday. We will not be having our regular Wednesday activities because this is Halloween. And so, uh, as we usually do on Halloween uh, Day, we will be having a uh, fall festival here. And we invite you to come and be a part of that. That's always a big time, a fun time. And we encourage you to come and be a part of our fall festival on Wednesday. That will start about 5.30 on Wednesday afternoon. And uh, there are some needs that we have in order to make this a success. First of all, uh, we need cookies. We all need cookies, don't we? Who doesn't need cookies? We need cookies. We need cookies for our uh, fall festival. And so we're asking if anybody would like to make a couple of dozen uh, homemade cookies, we would uh, we would certainly appreciate that, and you can bring them to the church. Uh, also, we need financial contributions because, uh, as you as many of you know, what we do is we have a chili dinner uh, here, and it's open to the community. And there will probably be several hundred people in here uh, on on um, on Wednesday evening. There will be a lot of people here, and a lot of chili to feed, a lot of mouths to feed, and so that costs us money, and we don't charge anything. Uh, to our community, and so that that cost us some money. And so to fray those expenses, we are asking for some financial contributions towards the the chili that we'll be we will be making and the other things. We also need some help in serving and in cleaning up afterwards. And so if you can help with serving the the meal or in cleaning up afterwards, we would appreciate that. If you could do any of those things, if you can make some chili, I mean uh, make some cookies. Uh, provide some financial contribution or help in serving or cleaning up, please see Jerry Wagner over there, and she will be glad to, to set you up with that. Uh, also, the decorating committee has asked that if you, will like, if you would like to help decorate, we, we deck the halls with Halloween stuff on, uh, for this day, uh, and, but that takes a lot of work, too. Uh, and if you would like to help decorating, meet here about 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, and we'll set everything up. And so we appreciate that help as well. Uh, the recreation team will meet this afternoon right after the worship service. No, this morning. I'm going to get out in time. Uh, right after the worship service for about 10 minutes in the, in the choir room, uh, kind of go over some last-minute things before the, the fall festival on Wednesday. Uh, there will be other meetings today. Uh, our um, church council will meet at about 4 o'clock this afternoon. However, plan on it being a brief meeting. I don't think we're going to be too long, but I think we, we do need to kind of touch base a little bit. And um, our, our uh, worship team will be meeting this afternoon at 2, and I think our decorating team is meeting. Is that right? Or Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyone who can, can hang around for a few minutes right after the worship service, we need to, to bring some decorations down from upstairs for, uh, for Halloween, and we'll put them into, uh, 
into the choir room in here uh, because just bringing them up and down. So if uh, specifically some of our youth and some of our strong adults, if we could help uh, help haul some things up and down, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. I can't believe I'm saying this. Next week, Daylight Savings Time ends. And so be sure. I, I know. I know. I hate it, too. <laughs> Uh, but be sure on Saturday night to uh, to fall back. You turn your clock back one hour, and uh, and so we'll see you here next Sunday on time. Okay, all right. Uh, let's greet each other in the in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of Christ with one another. Yeah, no video. Nathaniel, let me know if it gets fixed. Okay. Thank you so much. As we're taking our seats, let me invite our children to come down to the front uh, for our children's moment. Right down here, Miss Royce will be having our, our children's moment. So any children, come down to the front. Good morning. What's Wednesday? Halloween. Are you all get ready for Halloween? Y'all got your costumes to figure it out? Cool. What is this? Everybody sit down. Sit down. Sit down, Jerry. What's inside of an M&M? Chocolate. Yes. Who likes chocolate? I love chocolate. What color are M&M's? Is there a purple one? Well, if I cut this blue one out in half, what color is it going to be inside? Is it going to be blue? Brown. Brown? Is it chocolate? It's chocolate. But don't we have blue chocolate? No. 
Okay, well, let's see. Let's cut it in half. Scoot around so everybody can see. Sit on your bottoms. Let's see. Oh, there we go. It's brown. How about this green one? If I cut it open, is it going to be green inside? No. Why not? Don't we have green chocolate? No. Okay, well, let's cut it open and see. It's brown. Okay, one more. Which one? Yellow, brown, or green? Or orange. yellow, brown, or orange? What color are pumpkins? Orange. Okay, we'll do an orange one. Yay. Okay, let's cut it in half. It's brown, too. Do you know, we have all these different colored M&Ms. And, nope, don't touch. Don't touch this knife, either. We have all these different colored M&Ms. Do you know that's like all the people in the world? Go ahead and sit back down. There are red people and brown people and white people and red people. But Jesus says we are all the same on the inside. And God looks at all our hearts and loves all our hearts. No matter what we are on the outside, God loves us on the inside. Can you guys remember that? Okay. Let's say a prayer, okay? Lord, I thank you for today and I thank you for these children. For they are the light of the world that will shine on for us in our next generation and today. Thank you for making us all so different, but giving us the same love to show on the outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Miss Mary, after Children's Church, has a bag of M&Ms for each and every one of you. She's going to give you two bags, but you must share one with somebody else, okay? Okay. Okay. Thank you, guys. Uh-oh. Please join me in our responsive reading titled, Mercy. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear the Lord. Amen.
Today's scripture is Hebrew 10, verses 11 through 25. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since then he has has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. When there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching.
say before we pray together for our offertory prayer, these beautiful flowers remind us of uh, Cindy and the beauty that she brought into our life, and we thank God for her life today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you as a united church family, thankful for so many things today. We have a big week ahead of us in the next two weeks as we vote for leaders. Give us wisdom to do that. Thank you for the blessings that you provide to us as a church family, as individuals, and as believers. Thank you for the gifts, the givers, and even those who can't give today. Use these gifts to build your kingdom. And give us wisdom to do just that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Beautiful. Thank you, choir. One of the one of the most beautiful hymns ever written, I believe, and uh, and so well done. Thank you very much for that. You you may have heard about the three-year-old boy who opened his birthday present from his grandmother. It was, of all things, a water pistol. So he squealed with delight and headed for the sink to fill it up immediately, but his father was not so pleased. Thus provoked, he turned to his mom and said, I'm surprised at you. Don't you remember how we used to drive you so crazy with our water pistols? And his mother gave him a wicked look and replied, I remember. (laughs) I guess you could say this was payback time. Now, let me let me ask you something. Has anyone here ever heard one of your parents say, don't you provoke me? You ever heard that? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, I thought so. Don't you provoke me. Maybe it was with, when you had a water pistol in your hand or, or some other time when you had worn your parents down to their last nerve. But what were they really saying? Don't, don't you provoke me. Basically what they were saying was, you're making me very angry, so watch out. So you may have learned early on not to provoke your parents. And actually there's nothing in the Bible about children provoking their parents. However, it does say in Colossians 3.21 that fathers should not provoke your children to anger lest they be discouraged. That's a great verse, but that's another, that's another sermon. We're not going there today. But I bring up this question about parents provoking their children and children provoking their parents because of a verse that appears in our lesson from Hebrews that Valeta read just a few moments ago. In Hebrews 10.24, it says, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. You know, that's an interesting use of the word provoke, isn't it? That's one that we don't think of very much. I've never thought of provoking someone to love and good deeds. Usually we think of provoking in a negative sense, don't we? We think of provoking someone to anger. We think of provoking someone to lash out or provoking someone to retaliate. The, the New International Version makes the meaning of this verse even clearer when it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So here's the first thing that we need to see in our passage for today. The church of Jesus Christ is intended to be a community that encourages one another, that provokes one another, that spurs one another on to love and good deeds. We are not to provoke one another in any negative sense, but we are to provoke one another to acts of love and kindness. Is it all right if I tell a bad joke today? And by saying that, I'm not really asking you permission. I'm just giving you warning. (laughs) 
a guy is in a bar and he sits at a stool at the stool enjoying his drink when he hears a voice say, you look great. And so he looks around, but nobody's there. So he hears the voice again. He hears the voice again. And this time the voice says, no, really, you look terrific. And the guy looks around again and nobody's there. And he hears the voice again. Is that a new shirt or something? Because you are absolutely glowing. And then he realizes that the voice is coming from a bowl of nuts sitting there on the bar. And so the guy calls to the bartender and said, hey, what's up with these nuts? And the bartender says, yeah, I know, they're complimentary. (laughs) I told you it was a bad joke. But the point that I, that I want to make by telling that joke, and yeah, there is you know, a little sideways door, but yes, there is a point there. The point that I want to make to making a joke there is who do you enjoy being around more? Someone who is complimentary or someone who is trying to provoke you in some negative way? Someone who is encouraging you and giving you praise or someone who's always complaining and grousing and running you down? You like the encourager, don't you? You like the encourager. And, and, and what's, what's that likely to do for you? When someone says something encouraging to you, you feel good about yourself, don't you? And you're encouraged to do good. And you're encouraged to, to do or say something that will encourage somebody else. Doesn't that happen? Yeah, it does. There's a commercial on television that demonstrates this concept that encouragement is contagious. And, and I'm sure most of you have seen it. We were having uh, some technical difficulties, but we got it, guys. Can you roll it? All right. insurance company, they call it Liberty Mutual. Responsibility. What's your policy? Liberty Mutual. You see what's happening here? And for the benefit of our choir, uh, our TV wasn't working here, so they had no idea what was going on there. <laughs> but, but you see what's happening here? A, a man's walking down the sidewalk. He sees a child in a stroller drop her doll, and so a man, the man picks up the doll and returns it to the child, and the child's mother notices and, and smiles at the man. And then later, as, as she's walking out of a donut shop, she sees a man reading the newspaper, but he, she notices that his cup is dangerously close to the edge of the table, so she just quietly slides it back towards the middle where it won't fall off and, and make a mess. 
And through the shop window, there's another man that notices that. And, and later, that man comes upon another man who has slipped and fallen on the rainy sidewalk and helps him up. You all right, he asks. And the fallen man waves and said thanks. The third man notices this. And later, this man is in the elevator as the doors are closing. And, she, and he sees a woman running to catch it. So he pushes the open button to let her in. And she smiles. Another man in the elevator notices that. And later, as he's coming out of the grocery store, he sees a pickup truck trying to parallel park, but the driver is about to to hit a parked motorcycle. And so the man bangs on the side. Hey, be careful. And a woman notices as he's uh, walking by. And, and, And so it goes on and on like that. You get the idea, don't you? One good deed leads to another. And another. And another. It's a commercial for an insurance company, but in 60 seconds, it dramatizes the fact that kindness is contagious. And that's true, isn't it? Kindness is contagious. And you never know what kind of effect an individual act of kindness can have on the lives of another. Columnist Leo Aikman of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution once told about a, a family of eight had a nice plot of land with a vegetable garden bordered by lilacs, bushes. and But in back of their home was a, a tenement building populated by people who would throw their trash over into the, the garden. Old shoes and socks and assortment of other things and and throw them over into the garden. And the, and the sons and the family with the garden thought that these people needed to be told off. But their mother had another idea. This woman who was an immigrant and had never gone beyond grammar school in the old country and had never even heard the word psychology, she told the boys to go out and pick some lilacs from the bushes. And then she told them to give each of the dozen families in the back a bouquet of flowers and say, our mother thought that you might enjoy these. The son who told Aikman this story said, somehow a miracle occurred. No more garbage was thrown into our garden. You see, you never know where a simple act of kindness may lead. Jewish physician Boris Kornfeld was imprisoned in Siberia and he worked there in in surgery, helping both the, the guards and the prisoners and and, uh, and during this time, he met a Christian man whose name we do not even know, but his faith, his quiet faith, and, and his frequent reciting of the Lord's Prayer made an impact on Dr. Kornfeld. And one day, while repairing the, the slashed artery of a guard, Dr. Kornfeld Dr. seriously considered suturing the artery in such a way that the guard would slowly die of internal bleeding. But the the violence that he recognized in his own heart appalled him, appalled himself. And he found himself saying a verse from the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Afterwards, he began to refuse to obey some of the rules that he considered to be inhumane or immoral. And he knew that his quiet rebellion would put his life in danger But then one afternoon, he examined a patient that had undergone some uh, surgery for cancer. 
And he saw in this man's eyes a depth of spiritual misery that moved him with compassion. And so he told this patient his entire story, including his confession of his new secret faith in Jesus Christ. That very night, Dr. Kornfeld was murdered in his sleep. But his testimony was not in vain. For you see, the patient that he had shared this confession with became a Christian as a result of it. And he survived that prison camp and went on to tell the world about, the, about life in the gulag. His name was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He became one of the leading Russian writers of the 20th century. He revealed to the world the horrors of the prison camps and the perils of, of communist Russia. So you see, you never know. You never know where a, a simple act of kindness or a simple word of witness to God's love may lead. And I think that's why the writer of Hebrews tells us to provoke one another or to spear, uh, spur one another to love and good deeds, encouraging one another. I want to read you something that C.S. Lewis once said in a famous sermon titled The Weight of Glory. It's not an easy passage to grasp by simply listening, but I want to read it to you anyway. Um, Lewis says, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, would be, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else, a horror and a corruption such as you would only meet in your nightmares. All day long, we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. You see what Lewis is trying to tell us here? He is saying to us that you can never tell what another person may become. An angel or a monster. We all harbor both of these possibilities within us. And so we need in all things to encourage one another in order to bring about the best in everyone that we meet. Lewis is basically saying what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A great Jewish rabbi named Abraham Joshua Heschel once wrote, When I was younger, I, I used to admire intelligent people. But now that I am older, I admire kind people. I like that. I think I can concur with that. When I was younger, I used to admire intelligent people. Now that I am older, I admire kinder people. But why do you think he said something like that? 
I think it's because he knows that kindness is contagious. And kind people are truly building a better world. And of course, Jesus Christ is the one who set the ultimate example of love and kindness for all of us. 1 John 4.19 tells us that we love because Christ first loved us. And isn't that the truth? Michael Gelb, in his book titled How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, notes that in da Vinci's uh, Last Supper, it was, uh, it was done in a circular motif. Everything on the table is round. The bread, the plates, everything is round. And, and the disciples are arranged in a kind of a semicircle, a half circle on either side of Jesus. He tells us that there's a distinct purpose behind da Vinci's use of the circular theme. As Gelb writes, like a stone tossed into a still pond of eternity, Leonardo conveys Christ's influence rippling out to change human destiny forever. Da Vinci understood the power of Christ's example on those who follow him. And we've seen it with our own eyes and our own history too, haven't we? Back in 1990, a conversation took place between uh, Mother Teresa and, and Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is, the, is a motivational speaker, and, and you may have seen some of his infomercials late at night who's, uh, who was telling everybody how to be rich and popular and successful and famous. And, and if you've ever seen Robbins, he's about six foot seven, and Mother Teresa is about four foot two. So you can imagine the picture of the two of these folks together. But Robbins, ever confident and, and, and uh, the, the, the picture of success, he's asking Mother Teresa, how did you manage to become so successful and, and so famous? He wants to know her secret. Mother Teresa just looks up at, up at him with a smile and says, Jesus? <laughs> Well, Tony says, no, I, I mean, how is it that you run such a huge religious organization? You serve the most desperate people. You travel constantly around the world, and yet you touch so many lives. And she just smiled that big smile at him again and said, it's Jesus. And he said, no, I'm, I'm asking, how do you do it? How do you carry on this difficult, extraordinary life? How do you speak to millions of people? How do you win the respect of the world? How do you manage to be one of the greatest people in the world, even in history of the world? And Mother Teresa just looked at him and said, You don't understand, son. It's Jesus. One observer reports that Tony Robbins was totally mystified. He had no idea what she was talking about. Here's the question I have for you today. Do you know what she was talking about? You do if, you, if Jesus has touched your life. 
For you say, you see, the way that Christ will most likely touch your life is through the influence of someone whom he has already touched. We've seen it. We know it. We know the people who have influenced our lives and we celebrate their lives. That's the way it happens. We are influenced because Christ has influenced someone else. And hopefully we influence someone else along the line. It's kind of like that TV commercial. One touch precipitates another touch, which precipitates another touch, which precipitates another touch. And that is exactly why we are called to provoke one another to love and good deeds. So that someday, if we're all doing that, Someday the whole world will know the love of Jesus. So get out there, folks. Greet the world with love and with good deeds. It really makes a difference. It really makes a difference. Amen. We're going to sing together hymn number 469, Revive Us Again. We invite you to come and make a commitment to Christ today if you've never done, done so before. We invite you to make a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to the touch of His Spirit in your life. If you've never made that commitment to Christ, I hope you won't leave here before you do that. There may be someone here today who's looking for a church home to be a part of. And we invite you to come and unite with our church. Or maybe you need a time of prayer, a time of uh, unloading a little bit, and a time of, of encouragement. We want to be an encouragement to you. And we want to encourage you to love and to good deeds. If God is working in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing 469, Revive Us Again. Would you come? We praise you for this, another privilege of worshiping you.
And we thank you for this church that you have entrusted with the rich treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are grateful for those who have passed on the faith in the past and who are now a cloud of witnesses to our gathering. May we also be led in the true and living way to keep the commitments that we have made to you. Place your love in our hearts always. Write your word on our minds. Give us the assurance of your forgiveness and send us forth into a world of hurt with your ministry of love and kindness. Spur us on, O God. Spur us on. In your name we pray. Amen.